Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Monday of the 30th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope and charity and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Be friends with one another, and kind, forgiving each other as readily as God forgave you in Christ. Try then to imitate God as children of his that he loves, and follow Christ by loving as he loved you, giving himself up in our place as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Among you there must be not even a mention of fornication or impurity in any of its forms, or promiscuity, this would hardly become the saints. There must be no coarseness or salacious talk and jokes. All this is wrong for you. Raise your voices in thanksgiving instead, for you can be quite certain that nobody who actually indulges in fornication or impurity or promiscuity, which is worshipping a false god, can inherit anything of the kingdom of God. Do not let anyone deceive you with empty arguments. For it is this loose living that God's anger comes down on those who rebel against him. Make sure that you are not included with them. You were darkness once, but now you are light in the Lord. Be like children of light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Behave like God as his very dear children. Behave like God as his very dear children. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord, and who ponders his law day and night. Behave like God as his very dear children. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters that yields its fruit in due season 
and whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Behave like God as his very dear children. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. Behave like God as his very dear children. Alleluia, alleluia. Your word, O Lord, is truth. Make us holy in the truth. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. One Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who, for 18 years, had been possessed by a spirit that left her enfeebled. She was bent double and quite unable to stand upright. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are rid of your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And at once she straightened up, and she glorified God. But the synagogue official was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he addressed the people present. There are six days, he said, when work is to be done. Come and be healed on one of those days, and not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him, Hypocrites, he said. Is there one of you who does not untie his ox or his donkey from the manger on the Sabbath? and take it out for watering. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has held bound these 18 years, was it not right to untie her bonds on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his adversaries were covered with confusion, and all the people were overjoyed at all the wonders he worked. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's an interesting little gospel today, Um, but I must say, um, maybe I've just got yesterday's gospel still on my mind, but that's where my mind first went. Now, admittedly, it was from Matthew's gospel on Sunday. We're going through a different cycle, but, um, you know, the Pharisee comes up to Jesus and says, well, what's the greatest commandment? Like, what's the most important one? What's the central organizing principle of the law and the prophets that puts everything else in its proper place? And Jesus, of course, quotes the Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And then, of course, he goes on to say, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we're very familiar with that response, of course, and it's it's a genius response. It really silences the Pharisees. But I suppose it's obvious to us in hindsight, but it wasn't necessarily quite so obvious to the Jews of Jesus' time. It was actually a point of debate at the time, and and probably, I suppose, always is, you know. What is the essence? What's the heart of the whole law? But here's the thing, right? Like, Jesus needn't necessarily have gone straight to the Shema Israel, the hero Israel. I mean, the greatest commandment, but we've got ten of them, right? (laughs) Ten great commandments. I mean, Jesus could have chosen the first commandment as the most important. Right? I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other strange gods before me. Fair enough, it's the prohibition against idolatry. Keeps you focused on God, because God is the Lord. 
Um, he could have focused on the second, not to take the Lord's name in vain, to honour God and give glory to him. You could have pointed toward the third, you know, to keep the Sabbath day holy. Nothing wrong with those commandments. You know, they're pretty good. Um, in fact, Jesus' answer to the Pharisee, um, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbour as yourself, really does broadly follow the, the Ten Commandments because we hear in the book of Exodus that Moses comes down with two tablets on the Ten Commandments. And, you know, traditionally they're divided up. You know, the first three commandments are given on the first tablet and the, the next seven are given on the second tablet because the first tablet are those commandments that are in reference to God. And then, you know, four to ten, they're the ones that are in reference to each other. So, love God, love your neighbour, fair enough. But the thing about Jesus' response, and the reason why it sort of comes to mind in reference to today's gospel, is because he doesn't allow the greatest commandment to be formulated in a negative sense. You see, the first commandment that God gives, you know, to have no other strange gods before him, That's a prohibition. Don't bring any idols in front of me. And the thing is, a law which forbids certain actions is a lot easier to follow than a law which commands certain actions, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's like, okay, that's great. Um, How do I know that I've done that? It's a lot easier for me to say, yeah, no, no, I haven't been worshipping any idols, you know, no Pachamamas in my house at the moment. But I'm not quite so confident that I've, you know, loved God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. The law stated in the negative sets a limit, but the law stated in the positive is kind of limitless. And I suppose here's the issue, you know. Jesus comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and, you know, he sits about preaching and does a pretty good job. Um, No one seems to have a problem with the fact that he was teaching. But then when this woman comes bent over double because of, you know, the spirit that's holding her captive, Jesus lays his hands on her and says, you know, woman, you're rid of your infirmity. Now, that's the point where things have gone a little bit too far. We're happy enough for Jesus to teach and preach. That's allowed on the Sabbath, but like this now looks a whole lot like work. And, you know, that's breaking the third commandment. You've got to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, here's the thing that kind of strikes me about this gospel. As soon as Jesus has healed her, at once it says she straightened up and she glorified God. Um, Now... It sounds to me like that's exactly keeping the third commandment, like keep the Lord's day holy. Well, she's glorifying God. Like the action that Jesus has performed in her favour, this is the very cause for her to give thanks and praise. That's the third commandment, surely. Isn't that the whole point? And yet the synagogue official berates her for having broken the third commandment. Notice that he doesn't actually address Jesus. He doesn't have the guts to do that. He actually addresses her and says, how dare you come on the Sabbath and ask to be healed? You got six days in the week to come and do that? You got to do it on the Sabbath? Come on. I'll be honest with you. I reckon if the synagogue official had addressed his correction to Jesus instead of the woman, Jesus might not have responded in quite such a stern way. But because... The synagogue official goes and berates this woman. I think that really sets Jesus off. Hypocrites, he says. 
Is there one of you who doesn't untie his ox or his donkey from the manger on the Sabbath to take it out for watering, right? Okay, so you'll loosen the bonds of your animal in order to give it life, and that's allowed on the Sabbath. But this woman comes all tied up by this unclean spirit, and you wouldn't untie her? What the heck's wrong with you people? Not only that, this is the very action which makes the third commandment exalted. Because she's the one who goes and gives thanks and glory to God for the fact of having been healed on the Sabbath. God has made manifest his power on the Sabbath. But you know what? It's a whole lot easier to point to an infraction of a negative commandment. You did what was prohibited. And we can point to exactly the place where you mucked up. Because here's the thing, even though the third commandment is stated in the positive, you know, to keep the Lord's day holy, there were a whole bunch of extra laws that described the ways in which you weren't allowed to act so that you would keep the Lord's day holy. And the prohibition on work was one of them. But Jesus doesn't get sucked into all of that. Instead, he points towards the positive. Look. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the principle on which the whole law and the prophets hang. And this positive commandment exposes the hypocrisy that you'd treat your animal better than you treat this woman, and you do that under the justification of the law. That's why I'm angry. And that's why you guys are hypocrites. You know, it's kind of curious, the attitude that the Pharisees have towards the law. On the one hand, it makes them very cunning. You know, cunning because they're able to look at the minutiae of the law and they're able to divide people according to the ones who are good and the ones who are bad. You know, you broke the law of the Sabbath, therefore you're not one of us, so I can issue you a correction in order to point out that, you know, you've stepped outside the boundaries, unlike us who are very safe within the boundaries and therefore among the acceptable ones. So, you know, they've got a very acute sense of the law, and the law is what justifies them. But on the other hand, the law also makes them so incredibly blind. They've lost sight of the fact that they've actually become hypocrites, that they treat their animals better than they treat this woman. They don't have any sense that that's exactly what they've done. And so Jesus points out their hypocrisy to them, that their adherence to the law has actually brought about a blindness to them because they can't see this woman. They're so focused on what they can and can't do on the Sabbath day that they don't see the need of this woman bent over double. I think there's something suggestive in that infirmity too. The fact that she's bent over double means that she's small, hard to spot in a crowd, and maybe only Jesus actually noticed her. Well, When we turn to the greatest commandment, we see that Jesus doesn't give a prohibition on what can't be done, because if that's the case, then our eyes turn immediately to the law. But because he gave us a positive articulation to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, well, we've actually now got to be looking for the opportunities to love God and to love our neighbor. It's not just don't do this and don't do that. No, go out and love. And so seek out the opportunities to love.
Find the little ones, the ones who are held captive, the ones who are bent over double, the ones who are hard to spot. I reckon that's enough for today. I reckon that's a pretty good instruction for today. Find the opportunity to love God and to love your neighbour. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.